Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Margaret Feinberg. Margaret is on the show today sharing how to combat lies with God's truth through her book, More Power to You. Join us today as we chat about daily power declarations to break free from fear and take back your life. Hello, Margaret. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. It is such a joy to be with you. So I have followed you for years, uh, specifically after seeing you at a Women of Joy conference when you spoke about your cancer recovery journey based on what I believe I think is your book, uh, Fight Back with Joy. And you now have the Joycast podcast. So how has joy become your narrative? Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Uh, the year before I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I just felt I was actually working on a book on joy and had spent the entire year working on it and was about to turn in the two weeks from turning in the manuscript when I reached underneath my arm and I felt a lump and soon discovered that, that was an aggressive form of cancer. And it, that diagnosis, you know, it, it ripped apart our lives. Um, my husband Leif and I, it also ripped apart that book because I had been looking for joy in the relatively good times of life, but now I had to find it in the midst of pain and suffering and hardship. And what I began to discover is more than whimsy, joy is the weapon we use to fight life's battles. Because if we're honest, we're all in a, in a fight, we're all in a battle. And sometimes you pick the battle and sometimes the battle picks you. And the question becomes, how will you respond? And what I've discovered is just that that joy as weaponry, being intentional um, about, you know, whether it's acts of kindness or identifying a place where you need to worship that is so dark or moving forward and doing uh doing acts of, of abundant generosity for others, even when you don't feel like it, learning to grieve well, all of these expand our capacity for joy. I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper into some of those practical ways that you have found to spark a joy in your own life and then also in the lives of others. How have you put this into practice? Yeah, you know, I think one of the one of the ways is I remember one day I was going to the hospital and it was just more than I could bear uh, the chemo the treatments it was just it was just too much and I remember my husband put on a song Ten Thousand Reasons uh, by Matt Redman and you know that says you know to bless the Lord oh my soul and and we just played it and sang it and when it ended we played it again and again and again for the 40 some 50 some mile drive to the hospital and i remember sitting that day and beginning to discover that that doctors offices can be places of praise that that a waiting room can be a portal to worship and i remember climbing into an mri machine you know that machine that's like wah, 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 and they're like don't move don't move and, and immediately when they say that you know you become as itchy as a little <laughs> little kid like squirmy in there right oh, yeah. and and I remember thinking has anybody praised God from this latitude and longitude today has anybody praised God from this square inch and that's when I discovered that when Paul instructs us to rejoice in, in you know no matter what the circumstance what he was saying is, is the key to that is you identify and you 
give God praise one square inch at a time. And so for our listeners, the question is, where is the darkest, most difficult place for you right now? For some of you, it may be climbing into an MRI machine or a CAT scan or sitting in a doctor's office. For others of you, it may be sitting on another Zoom call or trying to be home with your kids and also having to navigate uh, you know, teaching, education. It may be in a classroom. It may be in your retirement community. It may be in your, your own home. It may be in the bed where the tears are caught by your pillow at night. But can you identify the darkest place of your life and begin offering up praise one square inch at a time? Because we become what we proclaim. We proclaim the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of God. We will become more like him even in this. Uh, And so speaking of even in this, you know, this year has been really hard to say the least for so many of us. And and so if we're not careful, we're going to not live in this joy that you've been talking about. And instead, we're going to just be fearful. And so to help us break free, free from the fear, you have a new book called More Power to You. And so I'd love to hear the inspiration behind this new title, because we want everybody to know that you wrote it before even the coronavirus. You didn't know that this was going to be our reality right now, right? <laughs> I feel like there's this pattern of whether it was the joy book that I had to shred and then write a book on joy from a totally different perspective. It was kind of like this book, this as well. About a year before the pandemic, I just reached a place where I was just, I was just struggling. I mean, it was negativity and, and downward thought spirals and, um, and, and, and was just became really hesitant. I felt like, you know, it was only a matter of time until the other shoe dropped and, and just got in this dark place. And I remember one day, uh, you know, my husband was trying to speak life and encouragement to me. And it was like, I was wearing this huge pair of orange earmuffs. And as much as, as he was speaking, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher, like, (laughs) and I couldn't hear him. And I was still praying and reading the Bible and spending time with friends and, you know, taking medication as my husband said, thank goodness for the medication, (laughs) you know, doing all the things and just, just couldn't break through. And I remember one day, we were sitting down and we were having lunch with my friend, Chris, and he said something I've never forgotten. He said, I don't know when or where it happened, but somewhere along the way, you have made agreements with the universe that are not true. Hmm. And I thought, whoa. And at first I recoiled and I grew defensive. I thought, wait, wait making agreements with the universe that aren't, that sounds a little woo woo. <laughs> a little, yeah. Just a little, but <laughs> He began to explain this where, you know, I'd once kind of had this optimism and hope and ministry. I just, I just had kind of lost it and was becoming more anxious and, and thinking the other shoe was going to drop and, and getting to that place where, where, where I was ruled by hesitance. And I remember coming home and, and really just thinking about that and realized that I needed to repent. And I think that it's interesting that word repent, you know, it's the first and foremost call of Christ. And yet, if you look at that word in Greek, it actually does not mean to change your actions or behaviors. It means to change the way you think. And I started to go, okay, Lord, like, what have I been thinking that is not true? 
What, what, what are those things? And I, I remember pulling out a piece of paper and just starting to, to write down some of those, those thoughts. Like, you know, it's only a matter of time until the other shoe drops. This won't end well. You know, uh, I, I need to be everything to everyone. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, things are, things are just going to get harder and started to make this list. And as I did, I just had these tears streaming down my face. And I said, God, forgive me for giving me for, for thinking these things. Because I think, you know, these, these thoughts originally, they, they were thoughts that maybe I, 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 you know, kind of flew around and, and at first I dismissed them, but then I started to acknowledge them, then I began to entertain them. And I, then I began to cross the spiritual threshold in which I came into agreement with them. And agreement is kind of like a, it's like a, a, a binding agreement in which you start to, to, to not just to, to give your, your thoughts and your way of life to until it becomes the standard by which you live. And I began to say, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to think these things. I don't want to come into agreement with these things. And so I started to write down, you know, these scriptures deeply rooted in scripture declarations that, that countered these lies that I was believing and saying them out loud every day. And, and there were statements like this. It was like, Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. I take every thought captive. I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. My purpose is to love, serve, glorify, and enjoy God. God forever. And as I began saying these out loud every day, I remember it was only three days later and my husband looked at me and he said, man, you are lighter and freer than I have seen in months. And I think part of that is we don't realize how powerful our thought life is. And, and if there's anything that the enemy wants to come against, and Jesus describes the enemy as one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the accuser of the saints. He's the slanderer of the saints. And we don't realize that when we come into agreement with those thoughts, when we start allowing our brains and our bodies and physiologically for us to keep going to these thoughts, we, we aren't just coming to agreement with thoughts, we're coming in to agreement with what the accuser, what the slanderer is saying to us and about us. And yet we, through the power of Christ, have the ability to rise up and to say, you know what, I break every agreement. As the apostle Paul said, I take every thought captive. And what's amazing is that when the apostle Paul said, you know, take every thought captive, this was not just this idea that, you know, okay, you know, you're going to struggle to do this. You know, scientists say we have up to, you know, 40 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And so again, you know, we, it's so hard. I don't know about you, but I don't have enough mental fly swatters to take all of those down. But, yeah. but what's amazing is that God gives us the power to do this through his word. And particularly through these declarations that when we say these things out loud, what happens is we, when we break every agreement, we, we, we build through neuroplasticity. We have this, this, the way our brains are designed by the creator is that when you build a, a, a thought that becomes repetitive in your mind, you actually start building a super highway. So your brain is always going to go toward that thought. You know, whether the thought is, I need to make everybody happy, or whether the thought is, uh-oh, something else is going to happen, we just start building it. And so that becomes where our brain goes 
quicker and quicker and quicker. And yet we also have the power through neuroplasticity and God's word to begin tearing down those super highways and to begin building them in a whole new direction. And that's why I wrote more power to you to help us identify what some of those lies, those false beliefs are that are just part of our culture. A lot of times we don't even think about them. And then at the same time to begin building new super highways in just 90 seconds a day toward the truth of God's word and who we are. You know, I think it's so interesting to think about, you know, your, your book is called more power to you, but we are so prone to feel like things are out of our control and that we actually feel the opposite. We feel powerless, but it simply isn't true. So why do you think that we're so prone to believe this age old lie that we are powerless? Yeah, I think that part of it is the enemy wants us to believe, you know, that we are powerless. The last thing he wants us to know is that we are created as a powerhouse by God, that he has given us everything we need to do everything that he's called us to do, that he has filled us with the Holy Spirit, that the same power that resides in Christ, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in us. And so I feel like a lot of times we end up starting to, instead of play you know, offensive, we start playing defensive. We start living lives just like I have been marked by hesitance and fear. There has been a pandemic. For most of us, it has taken our breath away. If you are one of the nine people on planet earth who thinks that the pandemic is the greatest thing ever, congratulations, <laughs> you win. The rest of us have often faced challenges, health challenges. What, what I like to say is the pandemic, the pandemic affected all of our lives because what happened is in the wake of chaos that it created, the rest of life did not stop. The diagnoses continued, the financial challenges often continued, the hardships continued, the, you know, the marriage difficulties continued, the struggles to get pregnant continued. And what the pandemic did is it amplified all the other pain and loss and suffering in our lives. And often it, it communicated to us that we are helpless, that we are powerless, that there is nothing more than we can do. And yet even in the midst of a pandemic, we can still take every thought captive. We can start aligning our thoughts with the person of Jesus and begin shifting from placing, playing defensive to playing offensive in the kingdom of God. You know, what I love so much about your book is the, the declarations are actually very short, meaning they're 90 seconds. And so you actually think, you know, 90 seconds a day for 52 days can actually change your heart and your mind. I mean, I think that that's pretty incredible that it's such a simple shift can change everything. It really does. You know, it's interesting. I had um, a friend who I gave the declarations to and, uh, and she got the book and she just started going through every day and making these declarations. Some other ones are, you know, the power of God guards my thoughts. The word of God guides my steps and the favor of God rests on me. Worry is not my boss. I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. And so she just started saying these out loud. And I, I want to highlight that for listeners because when you get the book, you get the devotions, you 
have these declarations. These are not just declarations you read. They are meant to be said out loud. And part of it is when you say them out loud, you're actually leaning into that neuroplasticity. You're leaning into that ability to begin breaking down those self-sabotaging thoughts and begin building new pathways towards the truth of who you are and who you're called to be. But when you say them out loud, you're also saying them out loud to God. So you are coming into alignment, into allegiance with the kingdom of God, all who he is, all who he says you are, that, that God who sits on the throne, all powerful described in Revelation 4. But you're also saying them out loud to the enemy. And in essence, you're saying you have no rights here anymore. And you're taking your authority, you're taking your power through who God says you are and the power of the Holy Spirit. So my friend who started saying these out loud began to notice the difference in her own life. And at that time, she has a daughter who's a junior higher and has just been, junior high is awkward. Let's just be honest. Like, it's just super awkward. And for her daughter, it had been so difficult. And so she said, honey, can we just, can we just start saying these things out loud together each day? And, 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 and you know, this young girl was just like, you know, she started out kind of not super excited about it. She was like, Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. And, you know, and this continued and about 10, 14 days later, she woke up with her mom and was saying, Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. I take every thought captive. And she could see the difference in her own child that quickly. And, and that is the power of this. It is so simple. It is so accessible. The last thing any of us need in a pandemic is, you know, here's a four hour practice that, no, no, let's, let's just start with 90 seconds. <laughs> we all have 90 seconds to right? commit. All, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's also important and, and not just for, for moms and dads, but to recognize this can be a family affair. This can be something that families gather around and say together, whether in the morning or in the evening or on the way to school or wherever that is and start aligning the entire family. And what's interesting is when you do this, it's not just saying it out loud, but as you do it, what happens is it starts to expose some of the false beliefs that you have. I, I, people read this and there'll be one particular declaration that kind of pops off as they're reading it out loud and they kind of carry that with them throughout the day. You know, maybe it's shame is not my master. God's power is perfected my vulnerability. And they'll start recognizing areas in their life through the Holy Spirit where they are wrestling with shame. Or one of the, you know, declarations is, you know, my purpose is to serve God. And the devotion that goes along with that exposes the lie. And maybe you've wrestled with this too. I know I have. And that is, I need to make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. And so you start to recognize, wait a second, where am I being a people pleaser? I know in my own life, I've, I've wrestled with, I call it sposta-itis. <laughs> I think I have that too. <laughs> yeah, it's a degenerative condition where you feel yeah. like you need to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to show up early, you need to stay late, you need to volunteer the, the extra hours, you need to sign up and do stuff because nobody else did, and you definitely need to make the 137 cupcakes for the classroom, right? All hundred from scratch, from mm. scratch. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And they have to be beautiful. Right. And the problem is that, you know, when you feel like you have to be all things to all people, when you become the happy factory of the universe for everyone else, there's going to come a day when you wake up resentful, 
um, probably a little bit upset and, and kind of kicking yourself that you said yes when you didn't really have the margin to do so. And I think one of the reasons the enemy loves us to believe that we need to make everyone happy is, is what we're saying is really that we have to please everyone. And, and so we wear ourselves out on activities and engagements that that aren't really what God has called us to do. And so one of the ways that I think we can break this, and I talk about this in more power to you, is we can take time to, to stop. And, and rather than just say yes on the spot, develop a new habit. Or when people ask us for stuff to recognize, you know what, I'm, I need time to think about it. Growing up, my, my family would always say, you know, always respond that you need a night to think about it. And what that does is that gives you a night to, first of all, go home and talk to your family and your friends. You know, do we have time and space for this? And by the way, just because a spot is open on the calendar doesn't mean it's open. Mm. You can keep it open for the space and the nudges for, for relaxing, for taking care of yourself, for being open to the nudges of what God really wants you to do. But the second thing it does is it gives you time to pray about it and, and, and to respond, you know what, I, it may, I, that's not my role. That's not what I have the capacity to do. Or even if I do, maybe that's not where I need to do and spend my energy. And what happens is, you know what, sometimes things won't happen because you didn't do that. That's okay. There may be somebody else who has a calling and gifting who's meant to step up and they haven't had the opportunity. There may be others who are hesitant on the sidelines and until somebody goes, no, 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 and reaches out to them specifically, they're not getting involved in stepping up and using their own gifts with the time and talent they have. The other thing is that some things may stop. And you know what, if there's anything we've learned in this pandemic, it's, you know what, there's some things we've got to let go on. And that is healthy and that is good. But we were never created to be all things to all people. You and I were meant and created. Our purpose is, you know, to love, serve, and glorify God. Mm. Gosh, there's so much in what you just said that I love. And one of the things that I, I would like to touch on is that you were talking about saying these declarations out loud. And I think that there's so much, you know, biblically that when the things that we are thinking, the things that we're feeling, if we bring it into the light, the instead of just keeping it inside and keeping it in the dark, just the power that that even has. And so, you know, I think so much of what we are battling is in this kind of spiritual realm. And you address this in your devotional as well. So what do you want the women listening to know about the evil forces that we are up against? Because there's power in, in those forces, whether we want to admit it or not. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. If you look, there tends to be pendulum swings in response to the work of darkness and the enemy. Um, and the first is those who ignore it and just pretend it doesn't exist or just think that that's just a caveman kind of old idea, you know, um, that, you know, it's just a funny cartoon and a pitchfork. And, and the enemy is not a cartoon or a pitchfork at all. You know, Jesus makes it very clear that there is a real enemy. He speaks about him in multiple times. Uh, you see kind of his act in, in just really highlighted rich ways in the book of Revelation. Um, and so, so the, but there's people who swing one, one pendulum and they say it doesn't exist. There's other people who swing the other pendulum and think, you know, well, I got to look because Satan's under every bush. And I have that kind of think, hey, why are you looking for Satan under every bush? You just might find him. Um, I, I love the response. And I can't remember if it was Smith Wigglesworth, but uh, there's a story told of one of the great revivalists and he just 
describes waking up and seeing Satan at the foot of his bed. And he looks and, and here's Satan and all of his darkness and everything. And he goes, oh, it's only you and rolls over and goes <laughs> back to bed. Oh, and I, I kind of love that perspective because what is described by that man is a sense of, you know what? I know exactly who I am in Christ. I know who he's created me. I know the power of Christ and resurrected lives in me. Oh, it's only you. And so I believe that the greatest way and the quickest way to make the enemy small in our lives is to make God really, really big. And that's what we do in these daily declarations. We are immediately waking up and aligning ourselves with the bigness of God, all who he is, all that he says we are. You know, I, I think one of the um, one of the things to remember with the enemy is, is not to look for him under every bush, not to be always suspicious, but to recognize that, that there are times. Uh, I know this past year during the pandemic, I worked on a Bible study. It was called Six Feet Back Satan, uh, four weeks in the book of Ephesians. And I just, I had fun. It was kind of a tongue in cheek, playful title. Uh, I had one person, you know, ask me, you know, is it about wearing masks? And I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord, no, no. No, that's cute. You no, know, but how do we, how do we, you know, say, hey, six feet back, you're not. And, and I think it's through this declarations, but I remember, you know, I wrote this and um, the night before I was going to do this online Bible study and Facebook and Instagram, uh, I, I got two Pyrex pans from Target. Super excited, opened the box. They were a little stuck together. And so my husband just loosened them up, left them on the um, kitchen counter. We were outside having a social, you know, distance dinner. And I came back in and uh, one of the pans, brand new, still in the packaging as far as just the little wrapper around it. Um, not, did not touch a cold surface, did not touch a, whole, a hot surface. No one was there. It spontaneously exploded glass all over the kitchen. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of strange. I don't, I don't know what that, I, I don't even know. Yeah. So Leif and I come in, we clean it up, throw away the glass. He takes the other new pan and just, just, just to be safe, just puts it in the sink. Again, no water, no cold, no heat. We wake up the next morning, that pan spontaneously exploded glass all over our kitchen. Mm. Later that morning, have the online Bible study. And you know what happened? Then this one, the only frame picture in the entire kitchen with glass had been there for five years. Nothing happened spontaneously fell off of the wall. And for a third time, there was glass exploding all over the kitchen. So maybe it was just chance, but that's a lot. And I thought, you know what? You've got my attention in the sense of, I know that we are doing something really, really good here. And so do not be surprised when you encounter trouble, Christ says. Do not be surprised, but recognize that there is evil in the world. There is darkness. Satan does not like to be identified. He does not like to be called out. And he does not like to give up his grip in our lives. And he wants us to believe things are not, are not true because then he gets us playing on the defensive team. He gets us in a place where we are, um, you know, so, so numb we, and we, we become so shut down to the working of who we truly are and the power of Christ in us that it kind of can push us to the side instead of allowing us to rise up with all that he has given and live on God's offensive team. 
you know, I find it interesting, Margaret, that um, because there are so many lies that we tend to believe that you only wrote 52. You know, I'm <laughs> thinking like there could have been 365 devotions declarations in this. So I'd love to hear just how you were able to identify the lies that you wanted to address just simply because there really are so many. Yeah. You know what? And I think, you know, there are books about the lies that the enemy has us believe, honestly, in the 1980s and 90s. And those were great. But these are ones I think that I just, I looked at the ones that I believe and a lot of my friends do. And maybe like, we're all just kind of susceptible. Like, do you, do you know, like, uh, like these ones, like I'd only be happy, I'd be happy if only fill in the blank or, you know, lies like, and these are ones me and my friends wrestle with. I'm not enough or I'm too much. Or the thought, I am what I own. You wake up one day like me and you end up with, wow, I have 127 scarves in my- <laughs> No, you don't. I, I mean, I did. I woke up and I was like, what has happened? What has happened? Because I would I would like go and buy a scarf to make me happy. And, then, and I don't know if anybody else listening does this. Like, I'm like, well, I'll just get a little knickknack, a little thing. And then you're like, what have I done? We start to realize like what I own- you know, makes Mm -hmm. me happy or, or the lie, like God tolerates me. Mm. And we don't, we don't, we don't often admit that one. And we say God loves us, but often how we behave and we act is God tolerates us. And part of the issue with that is the enemy loves us to believe that because if God tolerates me, then that means that we kind of wrestle with that thought, well, maybe I need to pray more. I need to give more. I need to volunteer more. I need to do more, or it's never enough with God. And the enemy wants us to see God as a taskmaster, as a tyrant who you've always got to do more and more and more. When the truth of Zephaniah 317 is God wakes up every day and he sings and he twirls and he dances and he rejoices over us. That when we wake up, God stands tiptoe over our bed to echo into our beings. I love you. I love you. I love you. And so we start identifying these lies that are just so common. I mean, other ones are, you know, uh, getting older is the worst or the world is totally messed up or it must be my fault sometimes becomes our default or I can't stop worrying, or I need to be in control, or, you know, I should be further along by now. And and so these laws are just things that are just kind of common. They're just false beliefs that slip in. But again, they start in our lives. They, They kind of, you know, they come in and at first we dismiss them, then we acknowledge them, then we entertain them, and then we come into agreement with them. And what this book helps us do is just help us identify. I love what Martin Luther says, and he describes it when it comes to temptation. He says, the birds may fly over your head, but friends, you do not need to build a nest for them, you know, in your head. And that's what we're doing is we're starting to pull out the branches and the nesting and all that tangled up stuff and say, you know what, I am not going to allow this to rule and reign in my life anymore. You know, as as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you could totally just read the, you know, the book page one all the way to, you know, the end of the book. But it's interesting. Could you almost say, okay, identify the lie that you're dealing with and then actually go out and seek and search the declaration that came um, from it. And like, I'm just thinking I would almost even, and I'd hate to ruin this beautiful book, but almost tear out some of these declarations and frame them and put them on my mirror, put them on my wall, you know, just to continue, because I feel like if we don't, if we're not careful, we can just go down 
a negative rabbit hole. And, and I really believe that this is going to help to stop the spiral before it even starts or even better, maybe spiral down a positive path instead. I mean, do, do you kind of understand what I'm trying to ask oh. here? That Yes, absolutely. I mean, and that's part of it. You know, you asked, like, I wrote this before the pandemic. I had no idea how the pandemic would affect us. You know, as somebody who's in communication and events, for any of you who have friends who are creatives, maybe they're musicians or they're actors or they're speakers, like, we all became unemployed overnight. And, and it honestly, it still has not come back. Um, you know, many states all over the country are still shut down. People cannot gather. Um, and, and so events are just, they're still not on the books. You know, so meanwhile, you've got a completely, you know, struggling with unemployment. Um, I know in this past year, at a certain point, you know, I stood in line at a food bank, um, you know, have faced all kinds of challenges challenges. And yet these declarations are what has carried me through. And you talk about printing them out. I mean, I literally have them. Okay. I will tell you, they are posted above the toilet paper roll in our bathroom. Yeah, they're on my a great place. Here, they're tucked <laughs> yeah. into my Bible. Um, mm. I think there's a set in the car. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> we need them everywhere. Uh, in my car. And there are days. Yeah. My husband will look at me and he'll say, Margaret, have you done daily declarations today? And I'll be like, oh no, <laughs> that'll go and do it. It's that much of a change. And for people who buy the book, by the way, um, you can go to my website, go to morepowertoyoubook.com and your receipt. And, um, and, and we're going to send you not just a book club kit, we're also going to send you, you know, print outable, the daily declaration. So you can do the same. So you can excuse me, place them around your house. There's, uh, you know, free clips there. Uh, once you buy the book for, you know, me reading these over you um, and just kind of like using this as audio file, I read them for you. So you can kind of listen wherever you are, but it is the transfer that's varying from people, you know, because man, this year, if there was ever thought styles of negativity, it, it is just, it is coming at us at all directions, whether you're on Instagram and Facebook and thinking everybody is living a better life than I am. Everybody's cuter than me. Everybody's skinnier than me. Everybody's kids are perfect. Everybody's dogs, like, you know, they, they do all these amazing things on command and my dog is still wetting the floor, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, whether it's you're falling into the comparison trap or whether you are, you know, struggling with unemployment, whether you're struggling with, is this thing ever going to end? You know, when am I going to be safe again? You know, you're worrying about your aging parents or grandparents, all of these things. This is an easy, accessible tool to help combat that and to rise above. You know, I, I, I'm thinking too, you know, after women read all of these 52 declarations, you know, at, at some point, maybe there is a lie that they're believing that maybe they, that you didn't address in, in, in this book. Is there a way that you would help us to walk through, you know, first we identify the lie, but then we have to replace that lie with biblical truth. Can, so can you walk us through that process so that maybe we can start to write our own declarations? Yeah, you know, I think that is part of it is to look, what is it? You know, ask the Holy Spirit, sit in a room, pull out a piece of paper and start writing out and just asking the Lord, hey, what am I believing that isn't true? Give yourself time and space 
And, and as you do that, maybe do it for a week every day. You know, pull out that sheet of paper in the morning or in the evening or whenever you just in the car, whatever little pinch of time, you know, I know and my, my sweet mama, mama friends are often like the only place they can get away is the car. And so they go on a long drive, they sit in the driveway, they'll do anything to get alone time. And, um, and, and just ask the Lord, what, what am I believing that's not true? And then as you begin to tuning yourself and posturing yourself to listen to the Lord, and, and to listen, you're going to hear it from your friends. You're going to start seeing it online. You may see it on Instagram, social media. You're, you're going to start being like, wait, wait, wait a second. What, what? Oh, that's that. I believe that too. That's not true. Oh, that's not true. And, and start making that list and then starting to look in the scripture and say, what is the truth that combats that? What, what is that? And begin writing those out, you know, writing out those scriptures as declarations for yourself. And you may want to, you know, to, to shape your own. You may want to add those to, to this list. You may, you know, you may want to start just carving out and saying, okay, I'm going to just declare this over my life each and every day. Because again, it's not just to yourself, it's to God and allegiance to him. And it's breaking every lie, breaking the agreements with the enemy. It just occurred to me how beautiful, you know, once we go through this process, that then we can start seeing the lies that other people in our lives, you know, you mentioned our family earlier and our friends and the people we, you know, when we start to hear them talk and we say, oh, that's a lie. Look, I have a declaration for you. I'm going to declare this over you almost Mm -hmm. for you to give you power. And I think The power in that is really, really exciting to think about. Not only is this impacting our own lives, but it's going to really domino and ripple and affect, you know, a a lot of lives, you know, it's going to millions. I mean, the, the, the impact and the power of it is really amazing to start to think about. It's true. And it's, it's huge. And even in my own friendships and my own relationships, and I do it in a super gentle way, but I'd be like, I love you so much, but that is so not true. <laughs> right. Truth you know, and love. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so not true. You, you know, you are going to recover from this. God does have a plan for you. Like, and again, speaking life, you know, life and death are in the tongue there, there, mm-hmm. there just is. And so what happens is you start uncovering maybe some of the false beliefs that you've been believing, you experience that transformation, and then you become a fount of, of speaking life in gentle and gracious ways into other, which again, we, you know, the word encouragement, I feel like it's kind of been hijacked into this soft, you know, mamsy pamsy thing. Oh, that was so encouraging. No, no. To encourage is to impart, to infuse with courage that that person would then be infused with so much courage, so much bravery that they would be transformed to be back out playing on the offensive team. And so, yeah, you're right. It is, it is, it is, um, highly, it is in the right way, this kind of courage and this kind of freedom in the right way is highly contagious. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, in your subtitle, you say that these declarations can help us take back our life. And so there's a lot of stake if we're being honest. And so is it, is, do you think it's too dramatic for me to say that it's emotionally and spiritually a life and death situation? I mean, is that, is that too dramatic, Margaret? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think scripturally, if we root that in the scripture, I think it is, I think, I think it's, there's a lot going on here mm-hmm. because what happens is, you know, as we, again, let's go back to that trace. You go from, you take an idea and, or a thought, it flies by, you've got 50 to, you know, 40 to 80,000 of those a day. And you make that pathway from dismiss to uh, acknowledge, to entertain, to agree. And imagine that 
bird's nest being built in your head, right? And you're starting to just let yourself think, man, this is never going to get better. It's only a matter of time till the other shoe drops. You know, I'll never recover from this, all of this stuff. And imagine how big that bird's nest starts to be bigger and bigger, heavier and heavier, nastier and nastier until you can't even stand up right anymore. It is literally weighing you down. You become spiritually, emotionally, and mentally bent over. And so it, it does, it starts to create, instead of conformity to Christ, it creates this kind of deformity. Now I want to be very clear here for all of your listeners. This is a powerful tool. It is not the only tool. I am a huge fan of medication. I'm a huge fan of psychiatrists, of counselors, of therapists, of psychologists. I'm a huge fan of getting the help medically that you need. I Please hear me. But this is one more tool in your toolbox because we are all fighting for our mental health. I mean, every mama and papa I know will tell you they that you know the challenges for their kids they have seen. They need, you know, they need tools too to, to be able to navigate. We've experienced all of us mental health challenges through this season. And so, you know, I think that that in the toolbox, this is one more powerful, practical, easily accessible tool to have. Well, so I'm interested to hear of, of all the 52 declarations, is there one that specifically stands out to you in today's culture or, or maybe just your personal favorite declaration? Yeah, that is, that's a great question. You know, I'm sitting here thumbing through right now. Um, I think one of them, I think one, one of the lies that I think Satan loves. And it's actually of the 52, this is number 52. And the lie is what I do doesn't matter. You ever wrestled with that? Yes. Exclamation yes. point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, I think so often, um, I think so often we fall for this, uh, this lie that what I do doesn't matter. And whether that's raising kids, whether that's at your job, whether that's, you know, in, in your marriage, you may feel, or in life, you may feel invisible. Um, and, and just, just thinking that it doesn't make a difference. And yet the truth is that, you know, you exactly where you are, exactly where God has placed you, it it makes an enormous difference. You know, the kingdom of God advances among dinner tables and church pews, in doctor's offices and cubicles, in Zoom calls, on text messages, in carpool pickup lines, and maybe even when you're on hold with that customer service agent way too long. You know, I love in the gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is getting baptized, it uses this passage and it says, or it's actually in the gospel of Mark chapter one, verse 10, it says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And that Greek word that Mark uses means to tear open. And it's the same word that is used in Mark's gospel at Christ's death. You know, Mark describes the veil being torn between heaven and earth being ripped open. And this symbol reminds the Jewish audience of the curtain inside the temple that kept man from God. And so there is this tearing open, this violent jolting word to emphasize that at Christ's baptism and at Christ's death, heaven comes to earth. 
that through Christ, God tears through all that stands between us and him. And God doesn't passively wait for an invitation into earth, standing on the doorstep to be let in. God is ripping open the heavens and tearing down the walls to unleash his kingdom and power on earth. And the best part is that it's still happening and it's still happening in you and in me. And so when we start to come and believe the accuser's lie that what you do does not matter, we can break that agreement immediately. We do not need to believe for one hot minute that what we do has no impact. The enemy doesn't want you to play on God's offensive team of God's kingdom. He wants to sideline you. But you, listen to me, every listener, every listener, you are a kingdom bearer. You are anointed to declare good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, and release prisoners from the darkness. You are on God's offensive team today. And spoiler alert, we win. Mm. And I'm so, so thankful for that and to be on his team. And, you know, everything you just said is, well, resonates with me on so many levels because this whole podcast is about how do we offer our lives in love to God and to other people. And so based on today's conversation, how do you think that we can go and be love offerings? Mm. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, I think, first of all, let's, to be love offerings, we, we actually have to stop being people pleasers. We have to stop making everybody happy because often we're signing up for responsibilities and duties that are not ours. And so drawing those healthy boundaries are really important. And, you know, I remember years ago, I, I went to a, a therapist in a season and he asked me, have you ever read the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud and John Townsend? And I said, yeah, I think I've read it like six or seven times. And he goes, <laughs> That's amazing because you have not put a single thing in that book in practice. <laughs> and so in learning to draw healthy boundaries, and it's been one of the opportunities of, you know, the pandemic, what we do is we make space in our calendars and our times to actually listen to the nudging of the Holy Spirit and respond to those, to create that space to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what what's the one person you want me to reach out to today, bring that person to mind. And again, maybe it's a text, maybe it's a handwritten card, maybe it's a little gift you pop in the mail, but to offer love and grace to them and be sensitive to the spirit and where he's leading you. And what you'll find is that when you do that, there is more power to you, there's more power in you, and there's more power of God's love flowing through you in that responsiveness. Mm, goodness, that's the first time in three seasons that someone has brought up to create the boundary and almost it's okay to say no, because that sets you up kind of for the yes of how God really wants you to, to love. That was really interesting. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And so I know after today's conversation, everyone is going to want to stay in contact with you and connect with you if they aren't already, but tell us how we can best do that. Yes, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at M-A Feinberg, F-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. Um, I like posting lots of fun stuff. And also you can find me at margaretfeinberg.com. We have lots of free gifts there and I can't wait to see you guys online. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for being my guest today and helping us to break free from fear and take back our life. More power to you and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Margaret Feinberg. We hope that today's episode brought more joy and more power to you. This week, our love offering challenges to stop being people pleasers because then we are signing up for responsibilities that are not ours. Margaret says we need to draw healthy boundaries and make space in our calendars so that we can listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to those promptings. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I'd so appreciate if you would take the time to do that on your favorite listening platform. Also, if you would like these show notes sent directly to your inbox each week, you can go to rachelkadams.com and subscribe to receive the weekly Love Offering newsletter. Don't forget to join the conversation over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week we just dive in deeper to each podcast episode, into the blog series, and encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. I'd also love to connect with you just over on social media. There we continue the conversation at Rachel Adams Author. Next week, my guest is Misty Phillip. Misty is the author of The Struggle is Real, But So is God, and we are talking about trusting God through our struggles. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love.